you have your Bible, we'll be in the book of Proverbs this evening, uh, specifically in chapter 13, and we'll get to that. Um, but I want to read a, a quote to you, and this is from a book I read years ago, and the context was looking at the power of influence of our friends, the impact friendships can have on us, whether that be in a good way or a bad way. And the, the comment or the quote is this, your friendships will determine the direction and quality of your life. Your friendships will determine the direction and quality of your life. For many of us, we, we know that to be true. When we're younger, we don't have a clue. Let's say if we're being real honest with ourselves, we don't always think through that whole concept that, hey, my friends could actually make a difference on who I am and who I become. As we get older, we realize that, and we become much more intentional with who we choose to spend time with, who we surround ourselves with. And so tonight, we're going to look at that briefly um, in the way you would probably expect, and then at the end, I want to try to flip it on its head a little bit to get us to think about things a little differently uh, because I know, like I said, a majority of us in here, we're adults. We've gotten to a place where our friends, they're pretty set. Okay? The, you know, getting new friends is, in a lot of ways, kind of rare as we get older. It uh, doesn't happen as much because we have got our friends set. <laughs> We've surrounded ourselves. I like these people. All right? I don't want to rough that up. I don't want to mess that up by bringing somebody new in necessarily. Whenever we're young, though, it's kind of the complete opposite. If they accept me, game on. Okay, That's kind of where we start. Uh, because the fear of rejection is that strong, um, that we would just go where we are accepted, even if we know it could mean harm in our lives. And so before we really dive too, too deep into this, I want us to spend a little time. We're going to go through several passages in Proverbs. I'm not going to ask you to flip back and forth through all of it. I can give you the references, um, and if you want them off, you forget them. I can print this off for you. That's no big deal. So I don't want you to stress during this time. And my ADD has got to focus because the announcements are scrolling back here. And it keeps changing, and I think something's happening to me. But in the uh, book of Proverbs, there's a lot said in general, obviously. Um, but particularly comparing and contrasting and describing the differences between one who is wise and one who is a fool. If you ever read through the book of Proverbs, you kind of pick that up. That the word fool or fools, uh, foolish, foolishness, wise, prudent. All those things, they're, they're repetitive in a lot of ways. And it gives some characteristics of and descriptors of, hey, this is what a fool looks like. This is what someone who is wise looks like. So I want to take a moment to set up a little bit of a foundation for us tonight by looking at several verses in that way. And we'll start, first of all, by looking at the verses that describe someone who is wise. In Proverbs 3, 35, we're told that the wise will inherit honor. Okay, good start. Those that are wise are going to inherit some honor. Good news. That's a plus. In Proverbs 10.1, we read that a wise son brings joy to his father. In Proverbs 10.8, a wise heart accepts commands. In Proverbs, I keep wanting to say Romans, so if I do, I apologize. In Proverbs 10.14, the wise store up knowledge. Proverbs 12.15, whoever listens to counsel is wise. Proverbs 13, 14. A wise person's instructions is a fountain of life. Proverbs 14, 16. A wise person is cautious and turns from evil. Proverbs 15, 7. The lips of the wise broadcast knowledge. Proverbs 29, 8. 
The wise turn away from anger. Now, this is not every verse that mentions wise. There's a lot more. It's just a handful. I want to give us just enough so we could kind of get a picture painted that there's a, a lot of positive mentioned when it describes someone who is wise. They're teachable. They're humble. They bring a benefit with their wisdom to not only themselves, but to others. They can handle discipline because they see the, uh, the benefit of being disciplined. They realize this is how I can learn. This is where I can grow. They have, when they speak, it can benefit and encourage others as well. Now let's look at the, the other side of that coin and how Proverbs describes one who is a fool. We'll start with Proverbs 1.7, which is just a foundational verse of this book, where we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Then we go over to Proverbs 12, verse 15. A fool's way is right in his own eyes. Proverbs 12, 16. A fool's displeasure is known at once. I'm guilty of that one. That one that was personal when I read that one. Like, been there, that's embarrassing. Okay, so maybe you're, as you're hearing these things too, you're like, huh, been there. Yep, been there. Wish I would have been there. Okay. Proverbs 12, 23. A foolish heart publicizes stupidity. See, I really just appreciated that one because the scripture said the word stupid. How many times we just don't really grasp that. But sometimes that's the exact, that is the reality. And the Bible says that's part of what a foolish person does. Proverbs 14, 16. A fool is easily angered and is careless. Proverbs 14, 24. The foolishness of fools produces foolishness. Yeah, that one was a blessing to read. It's contagious, y'all. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool does not delight in understanding. Proverbs 26, 11. A fool repeats his foolishness. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger. And again, that's not all the scriptures. There's actually a lot more Proverbs that mention fools than there are that mention wise that describe it. There's a lot of it that's repetitive in it. But you realize somebody that's a fool, they're not teachable. There's a lot of pride involved. No control of emotions whatsoever. And in some ways, I think as we go through life, we go through seasons where we are these things. As we are growing, as we are maturing, we're thinking we're these things. But to bring clarity to that, this is not describing someone that does not know better. This is not describing someone who is learning and growing in a maturity process. As a matter of fact, to define those two terms based on Scripture, someone who is wise is this. It's someone who knows the difference between right and wrong and chooses to do what is right. Whereas the fool is someone who knows the difference between right and wrong but chooses to do what's wrong. How many of y'all, well, I don't want to, you know, people are raising hands at all. I know somebody. But in our hearts and in our heads, I know I've been a fool at times. At times, I think I've shown glimpses of being wise and, I, you know, thankful. But if we look back, I don't know about you, but in my own life, I look back and think, hmm, there was a lot of times where I would be that fool, where I knew better, but I still chose to do what was wrong. I still chose the incorrect or the harmful path in my life. And so all that to bring us to Proverbs 13, verse 20. And this is where we will camp out for a little while. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, 
but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Now let's pray over God's word that as we look into it a little deeper, it'll speak to us, challenge us, encourage us, that we won't overlook the simplicity necessarily of this or thinking that maybe this isn't a topic for us as adults per se, because many times this is wisdom we're wanting to share with our kids or grandkids or those that are younger than us to try to protect them from surrounding themselves with foolish people. We want to protect them from harm. We want to protect them from the damages of choices that can be made. But I believe there's also a message in here tonight for us that can encourage us, that can challenge us as well. So would you join me as we pray over God's word once again? So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, uh, for the power that is there. We're so encouraged and I hopefully pray that we are confident because we know your word is alive and it is active. And tonight, God, I pray that through your spirit, uh, we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. And that we would choose to accept the truths that are taught from your word and your word only and choose to live those out so that we could point others to you. May you be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that. So let's look at this verse just real quick. It's a simple, it's pretty straightforward. If we're honest with ourselves, the one who walks with the wise will become wise. The one that's just who's deciding to walk through life with folks around them that are wise. You're going through life with them. You're surrounding yourself with them. This isn't just like a one-time experience. It's an intentional choice you're making on a regular basis to surround yourself with wise people. And scripture tells us if we choose to do that, there's a benefit. We become wise. Their influence rubs off on us in a positive way. It benefits us as people. But it also goes on to say, and I love this, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Many times we miss, it's not saying the fool will suffer harm. It's the companion of the fool that will suffer harm. How many of y'all have ever been there before where you just maybe been with a group of friends and one of them decided to be dumb and y'all got in trouble? Anybody, just, you can do a head nod and amen. You can testify quietly, that's fine too. Um, I remember in high school, my senior year um, at Cass High School, go Colonels, we decided to, uh, we left the back door on one of the uh, trailers for our English teacher. We left it unlocked, left it rigged, so we snuck in that night. It's like half a trailer size. And we took, I think, right at 140-something rolls of toilet paper throughout that one half of the trailer. So it was like a white snow when we got done. We were very proud of ourselves. Let me just say, we're very proud of ourselves. We ransacked Walmart. They had no toilet paper, no cheap toilet paper left when we got done with that because we weren't going to use the good stuff. But as we're leaving, we're just kind of hanging out, you know, proud of our work, admiring our work. And we look over and two of the other individuals in our posse decided to have a construction derby or destruction derby, rather, in the parking lot with their personal vehicles in front of the school. Lo and behold, that, apparently that gets people's attention as they're driving by at 1030 at night. And so the cops come, not the cops, it was like the school cops, so it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But here he is taking all of our license, threatening to arrest us. And he's like, he's about to let us go until one of the buddies with us, I guess he thought he was immune, he made the comment, you're just doing this because you're not a real cop. Well, praise the Lord. If I could hit you with my car, I would have in that moment because then we all got in trouble because of the, the foolishness of our one friend. He wasn't a friend much after that for a while. We really didn't like him for quite a while because uh, we all got in trouble. We didn't get this. Like at the end of the senior year, for that last week as seniors, we were excused. We didn't have to come to school if we had certain grades, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we all had to come to school no matter what and just walk the campus four days picking up trash. So if I could have pushed him down the hillside, I would have, and I wouldn't have felt too bad about it at the time. 
Uh, but it's just a, one simple example. I'm sure we all have similar stories where we've been with a group of folks and because of the actions of one being foolish, it's led to consequences or harm in our own lives. And for me, thankfully, that's one where nobody got hurt. Down the road, we can laugh it off. Sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes the consequences are much more than just harm. There is the King James Version says they're destructive. And so we need to be intentional with who we surround ourselves with because we're seeing very clearly there. If we walk with the wise, we can become wise. There's a benefit there. There's a reason to be intentional with who we surround ourselves. But also we need to be wise because if we do the opposite, if we decide to surround ourselves with people who are living foolish lives and making foolish choices, we need to realize immediately we're putting ourselves in harm's way. We're risking not experiencing the good of life, but instead experiencing harmful moments, destructive moments, painful moments, all because who we surround ourselves with, it matters. I think somebody once said, like, take the five people you spend the most time with, and that's a glimpse of who you're going to become. Who you spend the most time with, that's who you're going to become. And it comes down to influence. Whether you realize it or not, you have influence on others, and others have influence on us. Who we surround ourselves with determines if that's going to be a beneficial influence, it's going to help us grow, become better, become wiser, or if it's going to be an influence that takes us off a path we want to be on, that brings harm and destruction to our lives. And the thing I want to make clear, this wisdom that's being spoke of here, it's not a worldly wisdom. It's a godly wisdom. So when it's saying surround yourself to walk with the wise, it's saying walk with people who fear the Lord, who revere the Lord, who choose to worship God, choose to follow God, choose and strive to not only know his word, but through and by God's grace, they want to live out God's word in their lives. That's who we are to surround ourselves with, because as we do that, we too will then be drawn closer to the Lord is the benefit that we will too become stronger in our faith as believers. But the opposite is true as well. If we choose to surround ourselves with people who do not worship God, who do not follow God, who do not believe in the Bible, the influence is still there. It's just in the opposite way. It's going to draw us away from God. It can hinder our uh, relationship with God and knock us off in that fellowship with the Lord and can do harm and it will not lead to good in our lives. And it's usually at this point that a conversation like this kind of comes to close. It's like, hey, take a look at your life. Who's surrounding you? Are you being wise with who you're spending your time with? And then we talk about some basic things on what we can do if we find ourselves surrounded by foolish people. But I don't want us to stop there because that's not the points or the challenge I want to make this evening. Instead of us taking the time to look at who's around us, let's take a look at ourselves. When we look at our group of friends, are we the wise ones or are we the fools? What are we doing with the influence that God has given us to make a difference in the lives of others? Are we squandering it? Are we wasting it? Are we trying to make the most of it by 
pointing others to Christ through our actions, through our words, through the way we treat others, through the way we live our lives. Because many times I feel like if we're not careful, we miss that element because we're so focused on what's around me that we're no longer looking at me. Maybe I am the problem. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we will miss that because the reality is we are called to be the salt and light to the world. We want to be in real, meaningful relationships where we're pointing others to God's love and showing God's love in those relationships because if we're not careful to look at ourselves, we'll pretty much just start surrounding ourselves with only people who are believers. And that's not bad in and of itself, but also as believers, we're not called to just do that. We are called to, as we live our lives, as we are going to make disciples, as we are living in our neighborhoods, as we're working in our jobs, as we're spending time with friends, as we're spending time with family, we're to be salt and light to the world. I want to read Matthew 5, 13 through 16 to you. And some of it's just pieces of it, but it says, starting in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Then it goes on to say, you are the light of the world. Have you ever noticed, it's not saying, hey, you will be, or you could be, or you might be. Because in this case, in Matthew 5, it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is speaking to believers here. He's saying, hey, here's the lifestyle and the life to be living out so that you can bring the kingdom of the Lord to the earth, so that you can be a glimpse of heaven here on earth until I return to make all things New. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt. You are the light. Because you and I as believers, we are to be influencers on the world around us. We are to be intentional with our lives in hopes that it will point others. Not to be perfect, because that's not achievable. But to try our very best in the power of the Spirit to be chastening after the Lord, to live the life that God has said we can live in his power. But the verse goes on and says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. And here it is. And give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, there's some intentionality with salt and with light. How many of y'all are salt lovers? You, just, you put salt on anything if you're eating anybody want to admit it. I've got a friend, they put salt on ice cream. I don't understand it. I've seen some put salt on pizza. I don't understand it, but you know, to each their own. I put salt on chips and salsa. That's just about, the, that's about it where I put salt on. I don't like a lot of salt. When I feel like I need some salt, I eat some Lay's. You know what I'm saying? That's all the salt I need. Um, but salt has a purpose. And in this specific context where Jesus is saying this, there were two kind of primary ones. One was to preserve from corruption. They didn't have refrigerators, FYI. You know, just <laughs> did not have the Frigidaire, okay? So food could go bad pretty quick. could get nasty pretty quick. But you cover it in salt, and it would preserve it. But it also, like it does today, it adds flavor. Salt adds flavor. Then you look at light, and in this context, you are the light of the world. You are to make reality and truth visible. And through that light, you are giving direction and guidance to others. And as believers, as we are salt of the world, as we are choosing to live out our lives intentionally, we too are to try to preserve from corruption. We're trying to prevent. We're being willing to confront corruption. We're trying to add flavor to the world. 
Too many times we'll show up on Sunday and say we're alive in Christ, and then we walk through life like a zombie. There's no joy. There's no excitement. There's no life. That doesn't point people to Jesus, I'm going to be honest with you. They see that, it's like, hmm, I'm not sure if I want that. That does not look appealing. That does not look fun. That does not look good. I don't see the point. We have new life in Christ, and yet many times we don't live quite like that. I think we sometimes forget we just get so bogged down that we, it just slips our mind, maybe. I don't know, but we lose the joy of our salvation in some ways. And there's a world around us that as we've been called to be salt in life, as we've been called to be influencers, we've got a great opportunity. Because if we can walk through the struggles and the trials and the scary part of our lives and yet walk through with a confidence, not in ourselves, with a joy that doesn't really make sense, with a peace that is confusing, it's going to lead others to say, hey, what's different with you? How are you able to walk through this tough struggle, this tough season in your life like you have been? What is it you do? And then we can say, it's not what I do. It's what Jesus has done. It's through my relationship with Christ. It's through the gospel that I can face these trials. I can face these struggles. I can face this grief. I can face this fear. I can deal with this anxiety with confidence, with peace, with comfort, with love, with strength. The world needs to see that. Now more than ever, we're coming out of a season where isolation has brought a lot of people down into some low points in their lives. It's brought fear into a lot of people's lives and has gotten a hold of them. It's brought grief to many of us who have lost loved ones. And the world needs to see that there is hope in Christ. That even in the midst of the worst times, even in the midst of the scariest times, there is hope in Christ. And you and I as believers have that opportunity to be that voice of influence, to be that presence and that expression of grace and truth and hope and peace to a world around us. But we're also to be light. We're to point people to the truth of Christ. We're to help guide and give direction because if you'll remember back to those who walk with the wise will become wise. It's that godly wisdom. We have the opportunity to be that wise person that can walk with others to have them benefit, to see what a relationship with Christ looks like, to see and understand just how much God loves them and what he has done for them. You and I have that in front of us because believers are to have influence on the world around us. How many of y'all just love AC? You love some good air conditioning. Anybody? Anybody a fan of just glorious air conditioning, especially in the South? I remember one summer I had a, uh, it's like a 99 Jeep Cherokee, it was a sweet ride. I loved it, and I miss it, and I should have never sold it. But one June, my AC went out. Let me tell you, all in Georgia, that's, it's the worst. Okay, maybe you've been there before. It's, it's awful. You, it's like, oh, just roll your window down. Oh, great, so hot air can just blow on me at 60 miles an hour. Praise the Lord for that. And so it's one of those seasons like, I will pay whatever it takes to get this AC back up and running. All right, because I want some cold air. I don't want to be sweating just looking at my car from the inside, okay? I, won't, I don't want to take a shower, then show up and be covered in sweat because I don't have AC and it was a two-mile drive, you know? Um, and so we'll do whatever it is. We want that air. And when we look at air, you know, you got the two different things. you got a thermometer. It'll tell us what the temperature is. It'll read the room, so to speak. And then you got the thermostat, though. It sets the temperature. It influences the environment. So I have a question for us tonight. Which are you, as a believer in Christ, 
Are you a thermometer, just going through the world, looking like the world, acting like the world, just being the same thing as the world? Or are you a thermostat? You're choosing to be the one to set the temperature. You're choosing the one to be the one that influences the environment, to be the one that changes things. Many times we can look at the need of the world and just be overwhelmed with the greatness of it, the sheer size and enormity of it. Let's stop looking at seven billion and start looking, hey, what can I do for one? Because that's doable. We can impact the life of one. You can impact the life of one with the gospel. You can show love. You can show patience. You can show kindness. You can be gracious. You can be merciful. You can be forgiving. On and on and on. They're very practical and simple ways in our everyday lives where you and I can be influential for Christ and for his kingdom. It's just a matter if we're going to start looking at our lives from that perspective. To do that, though, we've got to stop looking at everybody else around us and like, well, they're not stepping up. Well, they don't matter in what you're living out. We're to keep our eyes on Christ. We're going to be chasing him, living our lives in the power of the gospel striving to be the grace of Christ to those around us. But we can't do that if all we are is focus on how others are failing or how others are not measuring up. Because it's easy to do that. I'll be the first to say it's easy to sit around and judge. Okay, let's just be, if we're being in the flesh for a moment, that can be really easy to say, oh, I'm better than them. <laughs> At least I'm not doing that. Or we share it as a prayer request and think we're okay. But what about you? Look at you. You're influencing others whether you realize it or not. So are we going to influence them with the gospel? Or are we going to bring harm to their lives by not doing so? To kind of track back a little bit to give you some practical stuff for parents, grandparents. you got students or young people you can speak into. You're like, well, what do you do if you're realizing you're surrounded by some fools? What can you do? And you, can just, you can't just go through life saying, bless their heart. Okay, that doesn't solve anything, doesn't fix anything, doesn't help anybody. I can get some chuckles from those around you. But ultimately, there's three things we can choose to do if we find ourselves in that situation. The first is do nothing. We can just intentionally choose, like, I'm not going to change anything. It is what it is. Whatever comes my way. And we just choose to keep ourselves in this situation, in this path of harm, and do nothing. We can also choose to step back. As that friend, we're not cutting them off completely, but we are going to step back far enough to where we can have a much more real and healthy look of where things are. Maybe start limiting how much time we're going to be with that individual. I've been there in my own life with great friends of my own who have decided to make some lifestyle changes in uh, what they were doing. It's like, if I stay around them, I'm going to end up doing what they're doing. And I don't really want to do that right now in my life. So I'm just going to step back. I love you guys. We're still buddies. We can watch college football together in a group. But as far as the closeness of the relationship, it's going to have to step back a little bit. Because I understand. I see where this is going. I can see the harm that could come my way. So I'm going to step back. And the third thing, the ultimate thing, and one of the last things you can do is you can just step away. Sometimes we have to come to that place in our lives. And for us as adults, I think it is a little easier. Because we have gotten to that place in life where we can see the big picture. 
we can see the ripples to a certain degree, whereas when you're a middle schooler, when you're a high schooler, even sometimes in the early college years, there's parts of our brains that have not fully developed yet, and that part is the part that helps us see big picture long-term and to think through our choices. So we can tell, it's like, hey, this is not a healthy relationship, this is not a healthy friendship, I need, I'm stepping away. For the betterment of where things are going, I'm stepping away, whereas young people... They're not always going to see that. So we need to be voices of wisdom in their lives. And so maybe you know somebody who's just in that struggle bus, or maybe there's somebody you're pouring your life into, uh, investing in. Uh, You've got your own kids, your own grandkids, nieces, nephews, whatever the case may be. The situation is, or the reality is, we're going to find times where it's like, I know my mom said it before, I don't want you hanging out with them. Well, you're just mean, mom, you know? (laughs) Because like, we don't understand at the time. She can already see the red flags and the danger. And she's like, no, I don't want you with them. There's, that's a risk there because we don't see it when we're younger. But we can be that voice in the lives of those around us. So it's kind of twofold tonight. One, just basically, hopefully maybe encourage or equip you as parents, grandparents, just folks that are investing and influencing younger people. But two, let's turn our perspective to ourselves and ask ourselves, Are we the ones that are having influence on others? Are we allowing them to influence us? Because as believers, we have been the ones that are called to influence others. So let me pray for us, and we will hang out a little bit so it doesn't look like we're getting out super early, okay? God, we thank you so much for your word. So much truth there, so much encouragement. Sometimes also, God, there's a great challenge and conviction there, and we thank you for it all because we know It is to benefit us. It is to help us to grow and to become more like your son. And so tonight as we look into your word, as we look at the wisdom there of who we surround ourselves with, may we be wise. But also, God, may we not get so caught up in looking who's around us and stop looking at ourselves. May we be wise also. May we choose to be that voice of godly wisdom to those around us to our friends, to our family, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, and to the complete stranger that we may just run into. God, may we be a glimpse of your grace and mercy and love. God, I pray that you would guide us in this journey, that in those moments you would give us clarity to see there's an opportunity here. Every morning that you would remind us that, hey, we will have opportunities today to influence those around us. So may we make the most of those opportunities to love people and point them to you. But also, God, we want to pray for our young people, our kids, our students, all those that are going through life that may not see the big picture just quite yet. They can see it a little bit. They can see the here and now, but maybe not necessarily see how a choice today can impact their tomorrow. God, I pray that you would give them sensitive spirits to see that. I pray that you give them ears to hear wisdom that is shared with them from those that love them. I pray that you would give us in here the, the courage to be able to speak truth and love to them as well, to help protect them, to be there to encourage them and watch out for them. God, ultimately, I pray that as we go through life, we would make much of you, that we would bring glory to your name, that we would point others to you, that through our lives they would not see us and think, wow, they would see you and think, wow. 
God, you are good. You are faithful. And tonight we thank you for that. We rejoice in that. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.